wait on the Lord. Why? Because we know that God is faithful. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Sunday Recap. This is Chris McLaughlin here with Ariel Eldridge and Mitch Green. So glad you guys joined us today. Hey, uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, Mitch's sermon on getting through what we're going through with hope out of Lamentations chapter 3. This is really talking through some big questions of God's sovereignty. Uh, is God good? How do we remind ourselves that he's good in the midst of suffering? Uh, so some big questions today. Just want to point you to a couple things before we get rolling. First of all, if you you haven't done so already, we would love for you to join us on Facebook on Sunday mornings to uh, watch our service with us. We, we're doing Facebook watch parties. You can find out all the information about our Facebook watch parties on our website at stonescrossing.com. Uh, just click on the uh, co Corona update page. It's right there on the homepage, and that will show you how we're doing church online together. So uh, we want to invite you to that. We hope to see you there. Hey, everybody. How are you? Hey. <laughs> you guys good? Yeah. Glad to be back. Awesome. Cool. <laughs> what's been what's been going on at your guys, your guys houses these uh, this last week? So so I was just telling you guys about how I'm perched up on the on this window that usually my dog sits at and I get to see everything. So you'll get to see now the neighbor that I was talking about. She's actually walking by right now. Oh, Isn't there she is. Oh, I can see her. The day. Yeah. So this time. <laughs> Every day she walks by. So that's what, what my life's came to, you know, nice. figuring out my rhythms, living like sitting like a dog, knowing when everybody's walking around. Yeah, that's yep. that's my world right now. It looks so. like your <laughs> rhythms are based on her rhythms. Apparently, she's really yeah, sticking I to guess. the walk. I guess. <laughs> she <good>. is. Yep. <laughs> I'm just picturing you, Mitch, just like standing at the window, just observing yeah. all your neighbors. Like, and they're just kind of people. like, who's that guy that's looking at us from the corner what's going on oh yeah well, well it's funny it's funny the people that live in our church or sorry that go to our church that i don't think about so like yesterday i was like sitting on the porch working in the yard just looked gross like i had done a million yard work things and and someone walks by and they're like hey great sermon the other day and i'm like what like oh hey like it's just yeah it's just you forget that there's other people yeah. in the world right now you know oh, you're totally. kind of in your own your own fishbowl in the bubble so yeah yeah yep. How's sure. the Eldridge bubble going over there? Well, I told you guys that we have been immersed in the game of Settlers of Catan. Mm. Um, and we just got an expansion pack. And so oh, we... which one did you get? We got, um, let's see, Explorers Seafarers. and Pirates. No, we got Explorers Pirates. and Pirates. Nice. Okay, so I read that's up the, on that's it. That's the new one. Yeah, I yeah. read up on it. And it's supposed I've to be kind of like a, a mesh between Seafarers and Cities and Knights. And so... Okay. Awesome. But the thing is, it makes the board giant. So we have a <laughs> we have a large dining room table, but this board extends so far that like things are falling on the floor. There's now like wooden fish <laughs> and wooden spices and wooden pirates and people and stuff. And it's... That sounds awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. It's going to take us a while. It's like a five-step plan to learn how to play the game. So we're oh, taking it wow. slow. <laughs> wow. That's super cool. Yeah, it's cool. When uh, And I, I know, Ariel, I told you this story, but when when uh, when we were pregnant with our first child, I, I took time off uh, for to be at home with the baby after she was born. And so it was like a specific date that I took off. But what happened was is the baby was 10 days late 
And so we sat at home, Erica and I sat at home for 10 days playing nothing but Settlers of Catan <laughs> Just <laughs> in the hot, hot sun. It was like 110 outside and we're playing Settlers of Catan That's all fun. the live long day waiting for a baby to arrive. <laughs> I got to ask though, game. Chris, I saw on Facebook that you have been doing like cake and painting parties at your house. Yeah. Are you teaching the fam how to paint? Yeah, we we did a we did a painting night the other night, which was really fun. We um, so I, I I found just like kind of a, a simple painting that everybody could do, and uh, walked them through a step by step process on how to do it. And so we had like our yeah. own little cookies and canvas type of <laughs> type oh, of yeah, yeah. event, um, and it, it it was it was really fun. I think it was a good thing. This is the thing. Like my wife is so good at coming up with all of like the fun ideas of things to do. So like when all this happened, she wrote down a list of like these are the ten fun things that we're gonna do while That's we're awesome. you know sitting at home. So so we're just kind of she is creative you know, ch- checking those off the list. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's great. I'm the curmudgeon and, and she brings all the fun in life to our uh, to our family. So it's good. <laughs> but you're the closet animator. I don't know if our audience knows this. Oh. Oh. Man yeah. of many talents. Totally. Oh. That's that's what's true <laughs> about Chris. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey Mitch, great job uh, preaching on Sunday. Yeah. So uh, I, I thought it was awesome. Really, really good stuff. Um, and this came out of uh, a class that you just took, is that right? Yeah, so I was writing a paper on Lamentations, um, comparing it to other other ancient laments. So the Book of Lamentations compared to other laments. And yeah. honestly, like when you write these papers, none of it is typically things that you think about as they relate to sermons. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. But <laughs> but this but this one had a like they're like a one paragraph, like how does this relate to us today? And as we hit this season, it was like that one paragraph just stuck with me. You know, uh, so that was kind of like it was just rattle. It was just, you know, in the back of my brain as we were thinking about what are we going to do in this series? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, really cool. That's awesome. Well, man, I, I really appreciate that you um, came forward with that and we're able to share that with our whole church um, and especially this process of lament, I thought was really interesting and really mm-hmm. um, just helpful in, in a lot of ways. Um, what I thought we would do today is, is walk through the process of lament and and actually we can see the process in the text a little bit. Um, so I I thought what we do is just sort of walk through that a little bit and, and talk about how that all fleshes out. Um, so the, the text that we were working through on Sunday is Lamentations chapter three verses 18 through 25. So, um, let's do this. Can, would someone, would someone read verses 18 through 20 first? Someone read that th- those first three verses. Yeah, I can do that. All right. So this is Lamentations three eighteen through twenty. So I say, my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. Awesome. So what I kind of saw, especially in verse 18, you have this, that first point of voicing the lament, right? That, that was the first point that you had Mitch was, mm-hmm. you know, voicing the, just being real with God and, and, um, complaining about the things that are going on. Um, and mm-hmm. obviously in a time that we're going through right now, there's, there's a lot of stuff that people, um, <laughs> a lot of complaints, <laughs> let's put it that yeah. way. <laughs> if you're on social media, I think we're seeing that, um, that big uh, kind of a dichotomy between the people who are are 
facing this with just complaining and struggle. And then the people who are embracing hope in the middle of it. Um, I saw, man, I, I saw one the other day of a, a an old friend of mine who uh, posted about um, their marriage. And um, they were, basically what it said was, I don't know how any marriage is going to survive this. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, whoa, that's Yikes. that's like, <laughs> that's super real right there. Um, and so um, I what I wanted to ask you though is, you know, and and um, really, this is a question for both of you. Um, when does voicing our complaints, and especially voicing our complaints to God, become sinful? Like, like obviously, God can take it, right? God can take the complaints that we had, um, that we have about what's going on in our life and whatnot. But when does it turn from just being an honest, like, being real with God to being a sin, a, a kind of a, a sinful thing? What do you guys think? Mm-hmm. I guess I would say that when you are complaining out of um, disbelief that he's not going to provide um, or that he can't, just a, a um, contradiction to his character and his um, his person. Um, and I guess that causes us to get put ourselves in the place where we are um, elevating our ways above his Um and putting oh, ourselves yeah. in the driver's seat of saying, you know, you can't handle this, so I could probably do this better. So I'll complain to you about this. I don't, I don't know. What do you think, Mitch? This is something <laughs> you've been in for a while. So I, I don't know. I want to, I want to kind of answer the question, but I'm going to take it a little bit like with a different spin. So, yeah. so I think yeah. that <laughs> that complaining identifies how we are sinful at some level mm-hmm. like like while while there is a point where what you're doing with your complaining and you can complain in ways that are downright you know not bringing god glory um i think at the same time when we complain we typically are identifying what our trust is in that's outside of god so while your complaint itself mm-hmm. may not be a sinful act to like voice to god this it shows what your trust is really in. Um, so Chris, as you were talking earlier, I was thinking um, this, it may seem petty, but so there's these digital NASCAR races that are going on right now. Um, and, okay, yeah. and, and like there's nothing in sports. So, so like the best thing that's happening is these guys have these really awesome video game NASCAR rigs and they race every Sunday professional nascar drivers okay fox Sports you gotta One, do what you gotta do <laughs> every sunday it's super cool <laughs> That's awesome. so my favorite driver this past week he quit um in the middle of the race so he had gotten wrecked he shouldn't have quit but he quit in the middle of the race which kills sponsorships but he just got destroyed on twitter for it now as i was reading the comments i was reflecting on how many people you know, in the midst of their frustration, they're frustrated about everything that's going on in the world. Now, all of their frustration is pinned up on this driver, yeah. like who quit this race. So so in voicing their frustration, it's like you recognize that their hope was actually in this NASCAR race on Fox Sports 1 to bring them joy on a Sunday afternoon. And he took that from them. That's a really uh, good. So, so, so it's, uh, some level, it's like even our complaining identifies what is our trust really in. More than in, in like in Absolutely. so in some sense like it can be sinful, but it's like it's because we're sinful, <laughs> you know. It's like we recognize that. Yeah. In the yeah. So, 
it, kind of in preparation for this, I was I was going back through through my mm. notes on Job, and and Absolutely. you know it, it's really interesting because at the at the beginning of Job, you know all this stuff happens to Job, and Job it says um, you know he. Uh, he laments, right? He he tears his robe. He cries out to God. Um, his wife says, curse God and die. And he's like, no way, uh, you know, and all that. And then at the end of chapter two, it says that in all of this, he did not sin. But then later on in Job, he does actually sin. And um, I think verse, uh, it's Job 35, two. Um, and I'll, let me just pull it up real quick. Job 35, two. So what he says is, um, this is... Uh, Elihu is kind of a prophet who shows up in the middle of all this. And he says, um, he's, he's talking to Job and he says, do you think this to be just? Do you say it is my right before God that you ask what advantage have I? Uh, how am I better off than if I had sinned? And so like, it, it, it's almost like he's saying that Job seems to have this thought, this, this idea in his heart, um, that he has a right mm-hmm. to certain things in this world, that he has a right to complain to God about these things. And then later on, Job realizes that God uh, is, God kind of puts him in his place. <laughs> in a sense, he's like, you don't, you don't actually have the kind of control over your life that you think you do. And, and I'm the one that does. And so he's kind of making this distinction, like I'm God and you're not. I'm the creator, you're the creature. And then he's reminding him, Oh, like at that point, Job goes like he basically covers his mouth. He's like, "Oh, you're right. Like I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I spoke too soon," um, and that's and that's where he sins. So, so I, like, so yeah. I mean, I think the, I think what all of you guys are saying are absolutely right on. Um, I think I, I would just add this other thing of saying, I think when we complain, it, it can become sinful too, when we, um, when we're coming at it from a place of saying. God, you're doing this wrong. Mm-hmm. I should be God. Yeah, I was just going to say we're coming up on chapter four in Jonah in women's ministry um, Bible study. And that yeah. is a famous complaint to God where um, Jonah, first of all, is yeah. mad because God's extending grace to his enemy. He doesn't think that was the right way to do it. And then he's mad because God provided shade for him out in this hot spot where he's sitting waiting to watch and see if his enemy is going to get blown up. And uh, so God provides shade for him and then makes it die. It's a plant and, and it withers away, you know, and then, jo- <laughs> you know, Jonah's totally angry that God took that away. And God says, do you do right to be angry? Like, is this, is this benefiting you to be angry about that? Did you make this plant grow? Did you toil over that plant? It's mine, you know? So he, it just shows God's, um, his patience and his mercy with people um, that, He's okay with taking complaint. He can handle it, like you said, um, and that he's also slow to anger and rich in steadfast love, and just you know he's willing to hear it out and then teach us through it. You know. Yeah. So, so mm. I'm gonna give you a little bit of background. So that point. Um, so again, it's it's really found in the text because clearly, if you read if you read all five chapters, it's like most of it is complaining. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like it really right. is like, that's a majority of what he's doing is he's, he's voicing his frustrations. That's better than saying he's complaining. Um, but I've talked to a lot of people the past couple weeks. Um, and someone who's very, very close to me, um, and maybe this will give it away, but I've talked to a lot of mothers 
who they feel the burden to like carry all the frustration and never have the room to actually air how they feel about things. Um, and, and that yeah. was kind of the heart behind what, what I was reading in the text was like, like, you know, even just for, for my own mom, you know, and just other mo- mothers that I've talked to, it's like, it's, you cannot carry the burden. Like, and so at some point you need to say that like, Hey, you're stressed. Hey, you're overwhelmed. And you need to say those things before God and say like, what is going on around me, God? And I can't handle it. Mm-hmm. So God, like I need, I need yeah. your help, you know? Um, and so, yeah. Coming yeah. from the right place, you know, the place of recognizing God being God and us Absolutely. being the creature, you know, uh, coming from the right place, it's, it's honest, it's, uh, and it, and it leads us to all the other steps that you mentioned in your sermon. Like it leads us to actually some really good things <laughs> down the Absolutely. road. So, well, let's, let's look at the next one. So the next one, um, that you brought up after voicing that, uh, lament to God, it's asking it's, and it's asking, um, what you pointed out specifically was asking what, what is God doing? What is God teaching you in the Mm -hmm. storm in the middle of it? Um, and so this, this, I thought was, was a really interesting point because a lot of times we don't get this answer, (laughs) you know? Um, even though I, I think this is absolutely the right attitude to have and the right mentality for us to be in, sometimes we don't get, get the answer to this. I mean, even in, in, in any kind of suffering, um, uh, I'll share with you guys a little bit of the, a story that, that our family is going through. And I, I know I've told our church this in the past, but, um, so we have a, we have a, a son who has a, um, a genetic disorder and the genetic disorder that he has um, basically, um, makes it so that he grows benign tumors on his nervous system. And he's got, uh, he's got a couple and and things like that, but throughout his whole life, he'll just keep growing these tumors. And we, we kind of come back to why, like, you know, asking this question, what is God doing in the middle of this? Cause we trust that he's good and we trust that he's sovereign, but, um, but it's, but it's like, why is this all happening? Um, and we don't know that we have a good answer for that yet. Um, <laughs> and maybe God will be gracious to us and show us the answer. But at the same time, um, uh, we don't, I mean, even if we don't get the answers, I think mm-hmm. we have to be okay with, with that, you know? Um, I don't know. What, what, what are your, what are your thoughts on, on all that? <laughs> so, so, you know, it's really interesting from the passage and I tried to be very sensitive in preaching this. Um, I think the obvious thing is that God is teaching us so that we can learn something in the midst of what we're going through. I mean, I think that's what's obvious. What's really hard in taking this ancient passage and applying it today is that Jeremiah is a prophet and I'm not. So he so he knows exactly why God is teaching them this. <laughs> and, and so he yeah. is very, very clear that their sins have led to the overtaking of Jerusalem. I mean, he is, he is clear as day that that's what's caused it, you know? And so in our current age, it's like, it's, it's hard to interpret, okay, why have we found ourselves in the circumstance that we're in? But what I realized, and this actually really came from conversations with my wife is that, you know, we're just, we're missing it. If we don't realize that God can, we can learn something in the midst of this, you know, that, that, that God is teaching us something um, in the midst of, what we're going through, you know, and, and for me, it's just painfully obvious. 
I think that's that's kind of the personal side is that I, I'm learning that I think I have control of things and I don't. I'm learning that, you know, mm. my body will tell me, you know, about how, you know, I'm dealing mentally, you know, and I'm learning what it's like to be restless and want to be around people. And, you know, and, and it's like I'm learning a lot of things about myself in the midst of this. And and I'm kind of you turn to a point where you're encouraged, where you're no longer just sitting in your frustration and you're almost kind of thankful that God's taking you through this. But you hope that on the other side that, you know, you're going to be um, you're going to be more faithful. You're going to understand yourself better and you're going to grow in your relationship um, with Christ. And I think that's that that's kind of the the main thing for me that I'm learning in the midst of this. Well, um, Mitch, kind of in, in response to to what you're saying, I, I, I think one of the things that this has um, brought me back to is, again, like that whole creator creature distinction that how God is mm-hmm. God and we are not, you know, that, that whole idea. Um, uh, one of my favorite authors is John frame and, um, and it, he's got a, a really classic book on apologetics that's out there that I would highly recommend. And two chapters in there, he talks through this whole question of like, how can God be both good and sovereign and things like that? Um, this is a quote from him. He, he says, um, sometimes God does not give us all the reasons why, and by not giving us all the reasons why, God is claiming his sovereign right to be trusted and believed, regardless of what our human minds think of his actions. And so um, it, it's really kind of an interesting point because, you know, for us, we're, we're always kind of asking like, well, why should I trust God? Why should I believe in him? Uh, it's this whole, you know, the whole question of like, you know, people who refuse to be Christians because they can't see how a good God can cause, you know, can be sovereign and be, um, you know, uh, and still have all this evil in the world and things like that. Um, but, but, but what, uh, frame is saying is actually what's going on is God is not giving us answers on purpose. And the purpose (laughs) comes down to sometimes, um, ultimately that his, he has a sovereign right above us to be trusted and believe because he is our creator. And, um, and what we think about it, about what's going on in the world is so finite. It's so small (laughs) compared to, to him and his, his perspective of things. And so he's basically saying, just trust me, Mm -hmm. trust me in this, you know? I think that can probably transition us to the the third phase of lament, which is reminding yourself that God is faithful. Um, and when you get to verse 22 in Lamentations, where he says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, his mercies never come to an end. Um, you know, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but we know steadfast love is actually one word has said, and it means God's covenant faithfulness, um, that he is, he is steadfast because of what he has promised these people here in the Old Testament and what that can remind us is that in Christ, he has promised us something as well, um, that through his son, we can look forward to, um, to eternity. Um, and I think that just being kingdom minded and eternity minded is one way that we can keep reminding ourselves over and over that the things of this world are temporary, um, that we can learn something through them, that we're being molded and shaped into the image of God's son. Um, but ultimately for the goal of, of 
giving him glory forever and eternity. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I, I, I wanted to ask actually that at that question, like, how do we, um, remind ourselves what, what would be, what are some ways that you remind yourself of God's faithfulness through things like this? And, or, or, or if someone was to ask you, Hey, how, how can I, how can I remind myself of this? What, what would be some, some practical things that we can do to get back into mm-hmm. that space again? I think if you're a Christian, you have likely seen his faithfulness. Um, even just your coming to faith story is, is an example of God's faithfulness. Um, and by God's grace, we get to be in a community of believers where we get to uplift each other and edify each other with sharing our stories with each other. And then we just keep coming back to the word. I say this in every podcast. <laughs> I'm just going to be the, the read the Bible, <laughs> the read the Bible, buddy. <laughs> read the Bible. Read the Bible because seriously, <laughs> it is. But it's it true. Is so true, it's true. Um, to see, you know, how many times God has been faithful and in so many ways, um, and then to just remind ourselves over and over that he has done that for others. He's going to do that for, um, for us as the church. So, yeah. And I think Ariel, yeah. you, you really covered it, but you know, so, so part of preaching a sermon on video is trying to look at the camera the whole time. Yeah. You so, did great. So, so my, my, <laughs> my goal in this section was actually to kind of cover four different ways that God's faithful and uh-huh. you covered most of them. Oh. And, and I covered, I covered kind of three of them, but yeah. I didn't really give you like, Hey, here's the first reason. Here's the second reason. Here's the third reason. Here's the fourth reason in the fourth reason. The first reason is kind of what we see from the text is that we see God's faithfulness all throughout scripture, mm-hmm. you know? And so we can look and we can understand how God's faithful, which is kind of what Jeremiah is doing. The second is, as you said, is we can look to Jesus and we can say, you know, okay, like God proved himself, you know, truly faithful through Jesus on the cross. The third is what you just said, which is the one I didn't talk about at all, which is that God's, you know, that that God's proven himself faithful in our own lives, Mm -hmm. you know, in many ways. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth is that we are promised this eternal security, you know, so there's this future that we have to look to, um, just, just based off of what Jesus has done in the cross. And so like our, our hope doesn't become in that our circumstances get better. Our hope is actually founded in the truths of scripture. Um, and, and so Absolutely. like what you, you know, you hit it, you hit the nail on the head even better. I mean, better than I did when I delivered it. Cause I wasn't, I wasn't as concise as I wanted to be. But um, I, I think the really important note is what's found at the very um, beginning of verse, um, which is uh, 21 where it says, but this I call mm-hmm. to mind. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's a literal, like, you know, he's saying these things to himself, you know, and he's, he's, he's voicing his frustrations and it's where he's caught at. And then there's this turn that says, this is what I'm bringing to mind is God's faithfulness. So the question is like, what are you spending your focus on? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I wrote a blog kind of out of personal reflection for our church page, you know, hopefully we're launching a blog here soon, but <laughs> But in that, it was really for me, as I look at my three or four weeks of, you know, now that we've been in this self-quarantine, the way that I'm relating to Christ is so, um, could so obviously be defined by how I'm spending my time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not, I'm not knocking people who are trying to be informed or anything, but I mean, I was engrossed in the stats, engrossed in the news. I was, I was watching it at the beginning, like every hour. I mean, my phone percentage went up like 20%. I 
I mean, I was doing my own math. I could tell you the size of Italy compared to the size of Canada, compared, or sorry, not Canada, compared to the size of California, compared to the size of the United States, population, um, people density, all these things that I didn't, I was engrossing myself in it. That is what I was calling to mind in the midst of what we're going through. And I had to have this hard switch because I recognized that like my soul was really struggling where, you know, I had to say, okay, what am I spending my time on? What is my mind focused on? And how is it affecting, you know, the way that I'm relating to God? And I mm -hmm. had to pull back. Yeah. Like I'm not, I mean, other people may be able to do that, but for, for Mitch Green, it was like, I cannot focus like that. I right. need to be informed. I need to know what's going on. But if this is the only thing that I'm calling to mind, like I am not resting in Christ. Like it was just blatantly obvious. And so for me, I think, I think the things that you said, it's like, yeah, we've got to, we got to focus on those things. We got to remember those things. We don't have mm -hmm. to ignore what's going on around us, but we can't just fully dive in and make that, you know, our entire focus um, mm -hmm. is what's going on in the world around us. Yeah exactly exactly right i mean the all of the 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 hope that we have in christ is based on the promises that he's given us and and that we only find that in god's word i think if god does not uh if god doesn't keep his promises the ones that he's given to us in his word then we have no reason to have any hope in him uh you know but but what what scripture what is so amazing about scripture is that we see promise after promise is fulfilled and it's fulfilled in Christ. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so going back to who, who, who Jesus is, is, is so important, um, uh, that, that throughout all of scripture that we can actually see, uh, who Jesus is and, uh, and find him in, even in the so, Old Testament. So Chris, let's get him. practical about this because I think that, you know, a lot of, a lot of people read the Bible in two sections, right? The Old Testament versus the New Testament. And we see, Christ in the New Testament, but if this is a new concept for people, can you just kind of like you or Mitch, both of you, um, kind of unpack what it looks like to see Christ's fulfillment of what Jeremiah is lamenting here? So I, I think I, I have um, Ariel two answers to your question, um, and and this is true of a lot of things that we see in the Old Testament, where we see a a fulfillment that happens more immediately. And then uh, there's uh, kind of a, 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 a fulfillment that happens in Jesus in, uh, when he comes. And I think one of the, the first fulfillment that we see in Jeremiah is actually really interesting because, you know, here, here in Lamentations, Jeremiah is writing about how, um, you know, about the Lord's steadfast love, his mercies are new every morning, uh, the Lord is his portion, and he will hope in him, he will wait for him, all this stuff. And what we know about Jeremiah is that Jeremiah never saw the the he never saw the um the 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 consummation of all this he never saw that um how the lord was going to bring restoration uh to uh to israel and to to uh the city mm -hmm. of jerusalem that's being destroyed uh and all this stuff he um was given a mission by god to preach the gospel to preach god's word throughout the nation to a nation who was not going to believe him. And, uh, and he was charged to do that. He did that for 50 years and then he died. And so he never saw, um, kind of the fulfillment of all this. But what I love about this is, is what hope that gives for us, first of all, in just that, um, you know, here he is saying, you know, the Lord's my portion, I will wait for him. And he waited mm -hmm. until his death. 
he waited until until his death for the Lord, uh, trusting that the Lord would bring that that restoration. And the Lord did um, after his death. The Lord did bring that restoration to Israel. So it was fulfilled ultimately um, yeah. seventy years later after all this happened. But I think we see um, that playing out in Christ as well, because when we're talking about the steadfast love of the Lord and his mercies and how his faithfulness uh, is new every morning and the Lord is my portion, those are things that we can also remind ourselves of, but we can see that not only has the Lord um, uh, been faithful to do these things throughout history, like with Jerusalem and, and that sort of stuff, but that this was ultimately fulfilled in Christ, that Christ died for our sin and that we are uh, we are restored and we are redeemed. Uh, so so it's not just the city of Jerusalem, but it's but it's us too, you know, that we are ultimately restored and redeemed because of the Lord's steadfast love, that his mercies are new every morning, that his faithfulness is always true, mm-hmm. um, that the Lord is our portion. So so I think we can go back to those promises uh, even in this passage and remind ourselves this is all really pointing to Christ for us, that, um, that Christ, uh, he is the one that made all of this possible. Um, we, that, you know, without him, without the resurrection, there is no reason for us to have hope, but because of the promise that he gave and his fulfillment in, uh, in Christ, then, uh, as, as the new Testament says, as Paul says that all of these promises are yes and amen. Well, you know, moving on to the last point, um, you said the last thing here really is to wait on the Lord for his deliverance. Um, and we see that not only in the in this lament, in Lamentations, but in, in all kinds of different laments throughout Scripture. This is a big theme that uh, the, the person lamenting and the prophet writing is saying, you know, let's, let's stop and wait. Um, wait for certainty in, uh, of hearing that assurance from God. So what does that look like? for people, and I just want to get really practical with this one, because we're, we live in a season where mm-hmm. people are losing their jobs. We live in a season where people don't know how they're going to pay rent this month. We live in a season where people are getting sick and people are even dying. And so what does that look like for a Christian to say, okay, I'm going to trust that God is good and God is doing something in the midst of this. Um, so how do I wait? It's really... It's a really, really um, tough question because I don't want to trivialize the the momentary sufferings that we are experiencing, um, but realizing what they are in the big picture, that we are just a drop in the bucket of what God is doing um, in, in our lives and in our world. Um, and I think I just am drawn back to that, that promise of eternity. Um, I just want to keep going back to that of knowing that God does provide. Um, and no matter what suffering we feel here on earth, I mean, Christ suffered and we know that we join him in his suffering, um, that that all of this will be righted, that God will take every single um, wrong and turn it completely new um, and right it all in the end. Um, and I, I just look forward to that and keep reminding myself of that. And that's my hope. Um, so, you know, if we lose our jobs here, um, if we lost our house, um, I would just keep trusting that my God is good. And I hope that that's, that's what would carry us through our family. Yeah. I mean, you, 
like jobs, you know, it's interesting how everything in the new heavens and new earth, when, you know, once, once the Lord returns and things are made right and new, how, uh, you know, God talks about mm-hmm. like how we will have work to do, you know, we will have a job, <laughs> you know, and it's not just about being provided for because God will be our provider as well. And we will have a home because the Lord he went to heaven mm-hmm. to make a place for us. He said, in, in my father's house are many rooms, right? And like, like all of these are promises that God has made for when we get to that new heavens and new earth. So I just, I just want to echo what and you're I saying. Would, yeah, and I think I would add to that that our longings for those things are because they're yes. unfulfilled here and they never will be fulfilled here. Yeah, I, I think, I think um, Chris, the waiting, the waiting... Okay, what the waiting does not look like, it doesn't look like doing nothing. Yes. You know, yes. Um, it, it, does, it, does, it doesn't look like doing nothing, and it doesn't look like just fulfilling your desires with things that are outside of Christ. I think that's, mm-hmm. that's the two tendencies that we have, is, you know, to say, well, I'll just wait for God to provide, and I'm just going to sit on my hands and do nothing until that time comes. That's right. wrong. Okay. The second aspect of, um, you know, what are we pouring ourselves into to fulfill ourselves? You know, I think in this season, there's there's a natural tendency to um, develop, like, habits of... Um, codependence probably isn't the right word, but it's like, you know, okay, there's more free time. Am I... You know, are people drinking more? Are, are people overeating more? Are people... You know, um, putting all their quarantine 15. Yeah. Are are people (laughs) are people putting all of their, you know, knowing it or not, does their waiting look like their hope has now became in a NASCAR race on Fox Sports one on Sunday? Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know what? Like in the waiting, you're learning, you know, okay, are you abiding in Christ? Are you resting in him Mm -hmm. or are you resting you know, in something else of this world. Um, what What is your hope in? And I think what Ariel said, you know, is the key. If our hope is in Christ, then our hope isn't in the circumstances of this world. Now, I don't want to negate, you know, the, the first portion of the sermon to say that it is okay to be frustrated. Right. And it's right. probably unhealthy in the midst of frustration to just act like everything's okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm not advocating yep. for that. But what what I am saying is that ultimately... Our hope and security is in something that's outside of this world. Um, it's it's in the work of Jesus on the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in our eternal security. And so when that's what our hope truly lies in, um, what waiting looks like, it's, it's bringing that to mind. It's reminding yourself of God's faithfulness. It's kind of back to point three, but it's not like we're hoping that things just magically get better. Well, we do obviously hope that, but our, but our hope isn't in the fact that things get better. Mm-hmm. You know, our mm-hmm. hope is our hope is in what Jesus has done on the cross. Yeah. Um, in the future right. that we're promised, as you were talking about earlier, Chris. So I, I, I think like practically it's just look at how you're spending your time. You know, what have what have you poured yourself into? You know, maybe you're like, I'm doing really well, but actually like you've became dependent on, you know, some food source every night. You know, I know that's like I can have that tendency, you know, if I'm stressed or <laughs> sure. anxious, it's like the fourth meal becomes very regular, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's it's evaluating. Okay, like have I have I shifted to where like even in this season of persecution where God be, could be getting my attention more clearly, mm-hmm. all I'm doing is filling it with other things, you know, yeah. like like 
And and it's like, that's what I think we have to guard in the waiting, you know, mm-hmm. is to say, this is an opportunity to abide in Christ. Mm-hmm. This is, yeah. this is an opportunity to sit before him in the midst of a circumstance um, that's totally out of our control and to not put our hope in the things of this world. So not yeah. just hope in Christ for the things of this world. Yeah. You know, and again, and that's not saying we don't hope that things get better. We absolutely do. But, but our hope is not founded in the fact that things are going to get better. Yeah. Yeah. Hope is something very different just to kind of clarify, because what I think what you're talking about is there's a difference between the hope that things will get better. That's a wishing type of hope. You know what I mean? That's a hope like, you know, mm-hmm. I hope for this sort of thing, or I hope yeah. for this present for Christmas. Um, yeah. Versus a sure and certain hope that we have because of the promises of Christ. Those are, we use the same word, but they're completely different concepts. And I think that when we're talking about hope, we're talking mm-hmm. about that sureness, that certainty, you know, Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 11, one being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see that, that I was going to get really practical here for just a mm-hmm. second for the folks that do allow their minds to kind of go to the worst case scenario. Um, like you were saying, Mitch, whenever you're sitting and, and, and following all this in social media and in the news, um, I, I was reading Hebrews last month and chapter 13, um, you know, the, the writer of Hebrews is addressing early Christians who are, are going through some persecution. And basically he says, um, in 13, uh, five, he just says, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say the Lord is my helper I will not fear. What can man do to me? And really everything that we encounter here on this earth Mm. is, is, um, is nothing compared to the, the provision that God has promised in his steadfast love and his, um, and his promise. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I've been reading through second Corinthians and, um, and I've been pitching to Adam day after day that this should be yeah. our next church Bible study, <laughs> you know, and I'll probably soon start pitching to Scott that it should be our next church series <laughs> just because I, I think it's so good. And it's like, I, I just, we focus a lot of time on first Corinthians and we never read second Corinthians. I mean, you just quoted it earlier, Chris, yeah. with the, all your promises are yes, name it. But, um, so second Corinthians chapter four, verse 16 says something very similar, Ariel. It says, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the Mm -hmm. things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Mm. Um, what, What Paul's saying is like, we are being sanctified in the midst of this trial because it's forcing us to turn and focus on Christ. You know, like like our momentary afflictions are actually preparing us mm-hmm. for eternal glory. Yeah, which is super interesting. Like just like just to think about how God is working in the midst of that. Um, and I think both of those scriptures just allude to that. And again, not to we're not saying this for us both personally, but both of us, there's a freedom in this time to spend time in the Word, and we've both been encouraged by two totally different passages of scripture mm-hmm. in the midst of this season. Yeah. You know, and God's so, Word is true. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, amen, guys. I think, I think, uh, I, and I really hope <laughs> in that I, uh, have the confident expectation that you guys that are listening to this at home right now, that you guys are, um, encouraged and that you're coming away from this feeling 
um, that you can trust God in the middle of all of this stuff. If you have questions about that too, man, we would, we would love to talk with you about that. Uh, feel free to reach out to us. Our, our information's on the website and we would just love to see how we can encourage you and, um, just point you in, in, in the right direction as you're going through the struggles that you're facing. So, Hey, uh, thanks so much for joining us today in the Sunday recap, and we hope to see you next time. Have a great week.